Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Lorraine, I've had a revelation. I've, it's life-changing. I'm very, very happy. Very are happy. Go, are you going to go and join the circus? <laughs> That was happening. Well, that would probably. Is it more mundane? I fear it. It's very mundane. mundane. I'm going to tell you, I've got a robot Hoover. Oh my God. (laughs) It is currently literally whizzing round the ground floor of my house, clearing up all the mud that the teenagers bring in from the park, all the dog hair, all Margot's fur. I don't think it could do her fur balls. Anyway, it's amazing. It's just brilliant. You just set it going because I have been hoovering about 10 times a day to try because everybody's in the house all the time. So it's just been, it's been brilliant. I I'm highly recommend. I'm excited for you because I know that in Trish world, this mm. will be, this this will, will be revolutionary. Yes, yes. I do rather hope though, in a dark way that when you go upstairs, <laughs> you just got Margot's two little paws sticking out the front of it. <laughs> And her tail sticking out the back of it. Or she might be sitting on it and riding <laughs> riding around the house. Well done, Trish. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. In today's episode, we'll be chatting to Sadie Frost, actress, writer, producer, model, fashion designer and performer. You may think you know this talented mum of four from a lifetime of newspaper headlines, but who is the real Sadie? Well, she's going to be telling us all about how she has navigated the highs and lows of a spirited life well lived. And we'll discover how her attitude to ageing well has led to a new confidence in midlife and hear about her new project, which we can all benefit from. Well, that sounds exciting. We'll also be sharing our favourite books, TV shows and films in Culture Club. And in How to Win at Midlife, we've got some tips from one of the UK's leading female dentists. Did you know, Trish, that the perimenopause even affects our mouth and our lashes? Oh, no. Oh, no. More (laughs) symptoms to add to the list. Can't do anything about that with your robot finger, can you? No, definitely not. But don't worry, because we have got some super helpful advice to keep our perimenopausal smiles sparkling through our 40s, 50s and beyond. Now, a few weeks ago, we kicked off our very first culture club in which Trish and I shared the stuff we are looking forward to watching, reading and listening to in the months ahead. And we had lots of lovely comments from you about it and in fact, demands for more, more, more. So back by popular demand, Trish and Lorraine's culture club. Trish, let's start mm-hmm. with you. What's on your culture radar? Well, you know, I like a TV series and uh, there's a new seven part HBO series called Mayor of Easttown. And that's M-A-R-E, like the horse, yes. not the, the mayoral chains hey. type of person. But actually, 
Mare is also the name of the star of the show, which is Kate Winslet. And I always get really excited when you have those big A-list Hollywood stars doing TV because you just know it's going to be really good. They're going to have big budgets. Like script Nicole should Kidman. Be good. Yeah. Yes, Big Little Lies and Amy Adams and Sharp Objects. That was a really oh, good one. Lovely. Bit dark, bit sinister. And I think it's really nice because you get the, to see them play these characters over a longer period of time. So I've, I think it tests the old uh, acting skills a bit more, I have to say. And um, anyway, so she's a detective who has to investigate the murder of a young girl and she's a mum herself. And it's one of those, it looks very grainy, gritty. It's set in Pennsylvania. Lots of scraggy hair. Kate doing scraggy, oh. tied back ponytail, no makeup. And there's some other really great ca- uh, actors in there like Guy Pierce and that British actor Ben Miles. A little bit of a crush on him. So that's a good one, I think. That's out on 19th of April. So a little way away, but we can What's find it on? that on Sky Atlantic. Oh, that's exciting. I love a Kate. Mm. I know. And I've got a book, which is possibly the complete opposite of grainy, dark, murdery thing. It's called Made for Love by Alyssa nutting and I think it's just it's going to be a little bit of fun if you want to light read and it's also quite bonkers and it's about this woman who moves into a senior citizen's trailer park with her dad and his sex doll his blow-up sex doll You had me at sex doll, Trish. I know. And then it's it gets bonkers, even more bonkers. She's (laughs) fled her marriage to a billionaire internet mogul who is now using (laughs) all the technology. This is Facebook, yes. Yeah, technology at his disposal to track her down. So there's lots of gags and lots of kind of funny lines, but they're all kind of these underlying important themes about, you know, how we try to have to try to experience healthy human connections, you know, versus the power of big tech economy. And I suppose also the idea idea that despite their billions we really don't want to be married to those guys no they do I think they look rather boring personally yeah, as yeah. people. They might have all that money, but I don't know. It's a bit Massive strange. generalization. It's strange. Massive and generalization. Uh, you've got one other thing, haven't yes, you? Yes, I have. And I know, about... yes, because you want to talk, we both want to talk about this, yes. which is Barb and Star <laughs> go to Vista Del Mar. It's actually already out on all the streaming services. Yeah. But this is the film written by and starring Kristen Wiig amazing person and Annie Mumolo also amazing both Bridesmaids Maids fame 10 mm. years old that film can you believe Jamie it? Dornan's in it as well he let's not is, forget that he Trish. Is. And, yeah. and it's about these two sort of middle-aged friends with sort of curly perms who who I think they live in the midwest somewhere and they get fired don't they and they have to go to Florida to make some memories together and they get tangled up in some mad criminal plot but I, I haven't watched it yet. I've seen some of the trailers. Yes, I think I've seen halfway through before the children interrupted me. I think it, mm. I think there could be more laughs, but I think it's of a genre, isn't it? It's mm. those two female comedians, and I think we identify with it because we've got a big um, RV road trip planned, haven't oh. we? We're <laughs> I calling it. I feel yes. like it will be the the T Man and Loza yeah. go to probably kentucky or somewhere in the middle is it in the middle definitely that's it in the middle and i think that that will be comedy goals that's our bar and star i think so do you think we have to have a perm before we can i had a perm when i was set foot did you curly perm once and never again no the smell of that perming solution (laughs) well it broke off at the front and i had stubble a little line of stubble at the front no that's not good is it right none of that now so back to culture back to culture back to culture from perms to culture rv trips to culture so i've got something i want to watch and i want to watch it with my daughters and it's the amy polar film Mm -hmm. moxie which Mm. is um 
uh, on Netflix, comes out at the end of March. Uh, Amy directs it and co-stars in it based on a book. So it's basically about a mum who is a kind of feminist rebel in her teenage. So it's her daughter's kind of, I suppose you would call it feminist awakening. It's a Gen Z feminist awakening. Um, and it's all about how she produces an anonymous zine in her school, magazine mm-hmm. in her school, to call out all the kind of toxic misogyny that's happening in a classic American high school. And during the doing this, she finds out how her mum used to protest about everything when she was a teenager. Kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I mean, Amy Poehler's 50. I mean, it's something I'm fascinated by, teenage mm. daughters, what their version of feminism is. And also, <laughs> Amy Poehler makes me really uncomfortable. Oh, how, how and why is that <laughs> even possible? This is what she's, Parks and Rec is one of my favourite things. Mm. So what makes me uncomfortable is this just relentless happiness joyous happy mm, ending mm. I'm so cynical <laughs> I just can't I get a bit you know I'm so I get upset with pictures of puppies on on a toilet roll and things like mm. that I just don't like the cuteness and sweetness and Amy Poehler is about that but actually that's what's really funny and lovely about her is it a comedy it's an Amy Poehler classic comedy right. yeah I mean okay. it's got that okay, Tina so that, Fey so I Poehler think about that's it. interesting isn't it because it's got your your description was Classic Lorraine's slightly cynic. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I was giving it what we call the horse's eye. You know, when you look mm, at something sideways, side eye, side eye. And I just yeah. don't know why I do that. It's inexplicable, mm. and I shouldn't do it. But she gave an interview, Amy Poehler, because she's fifty this year, mm-hmm. and there's a really lovely line in it which draws me to her while I'm drawing away from her at the same time. You see, she she makes me feel funny. Mm. I don't know. She says, "When you're up around fifty, you're always a little out of breath from outrunning." the voices whether they be your own or societies a certain feeling of your own irrelevance and I think that's a really kind of mm. great way mm. to describe turning 50 see what I mean about her I think she's amazing but mm. I'm also a bit uncomfortable with her earnest happiness type right thing. I don't right know what that says about me I'm using mm. you as therapy now Trish. yeah well I I just kind of I think I just don't think too, too deeply about it I just like find it quite entertaining and funny and just she's one of those people you just she just makes me smile looking at her she's got a really quite a happy yeah. face she does not do resting bitch face me. she just does resting happy face I would say I think I'm always looking for the darkness in something yes. and I don't okay. see it there which is a good is thing. there any darkness in the book that you're going yes, to recommend good darkness in the book that I'm going mm. to recommend so this is a book um, by a friend of mine called I Am a Girl from Africa and the author is Elizabeth Naya Mayaro N-A-Y-M-A-Y-A-R-O now I met Elizabeth when I went she was so lucky to go to the Mm -hmm. United Nations to do a cover for Elle with Emma Watson and she Mm -hmm. Elizabeth launched the He for She campaign she worked at the United Nations there and this book is a memoir about her life so basically she comes from Zimbabwe incredibly poor they were going through a drought she was stopped by a UN aid worker and given some food and at that moment she decided she would work for the UN from this coming from this dirt poor place Mm -hmm. in Africa and the book is basically her story comes via London you know when I met her she was extraordinary so well dressed so stylish so elegant so amazing I had no idea of her background Mm. and it really Mm -hmm. made me think you know you just don't know people's stories. There's a lovely line in the book, you must act as if it is impossible to fail, which is a mm-hmm. uh, Ghanaian um, proverb. And I think that's just, if she can, you can. It's just a lovely book about your dreams coming yeah. true. Um, I have one final thing to recommend, and it's another podcast. 
Mm. educating people in a culture cultured way it's called the great women artists and it's a podcast about and interviewing women artists of our time uh, by katie hessel who's a curator and it just brings you such joy because it tells the mm. real story behind the lives of so many women who were kind of ignored you know the mm. art world has ignored women for quite a long time oh, definitely yeah. um she interviewed Lubaina Himid, who won the Turner Prize, and her story is just extraordinary. It's just really entertaining. It's done in a really commercial, upbeat, positive way. And I think it's a really nice thing to listen to on a walk, like yes. our podcast is. So that's the Great Women Artists podcast. I'm a girl from Africa and Moxie, Amy Poehler's film. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now it's time to meet today's special guest, Sadie Frost. The 55-year-old Londoner doesn't really need an introduction, but a little reminder that during her incredible career, she has been an actress, writer, producer, model, fashion designer, and performer. She's a mother of four children, aged 18 to 30, and her most recent venture utilizes her lifelong yoga skills. With her friend, Frances Raphael, she has created Yin and Tonic, a series of music and yoga workouts. So welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Sadie. Hiya. There is so much to discuss with Sadie Frost's midlife journey. It's kind of been, it's been an amazing journey when we read back through everything you've done and through your book. So shall we start here at the beginning? Because you had your first acting job when you were just four years old. And you've really been working nonstop in a variety of careers ever since, haven't you? Absolutely. My mum was actually acting like she was, she had me when she was 16, she was, acting and doing a few commercials and things like that and for money and I think she signed me and my sister up to an agency when I was four and she was two to bring in some extra money at the time because we you know she was yeah we were mm. 16 17 18 really really young and um so so that's why I got put onto an agency um I had my first agency pictures taken at four and they were actually taken it was odd because my we lived across the road from David Bailey and my, um, he took some photographs of me when I was a kid, um, which was on, but it was funny because I was in a, I was really dirty with a pair of pants on. And years later, I said to David Bailey, you took my first photos. And he said, oh, that's so strange. because I always thought you were a boy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was my first photo. Right now, I was just a very scruffy little girl. So, no, so I started working very young and then went to stage school and did films as a kid and modelling. You're 55 now, Sadie, and you've uh, been married twice. You've got four children. You've just packed so much into your to your life. I mean, when you look back on it, are you quite impressed with yourself with with what you've achieved? I mean, it's interesting because you kind of break it down into decades, and you know, um, you know, you, you have your teen years and your twenties. You know, I was uh, getting married with my first child, and then and my career, and then thirties, I, I had three children, and then you know. 
after that was just bringing them up and, and trying to fit in work to support myself and my children and to be creative and, and to have fulfillment but to to kind of raise a family in the best way I could kind of on my own most of the time which you know has not been you know even though people always say you know you've obviously had a lot of support and help but you know a lot of it was on my own and I think you know to raise four kids on your own is 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 a tough thing um and it's even though I feel like I've achieved a lot and done a lot you know I am and I feel good about myself but I am where I am today feeling like wow my youngest is about to do their A-levels. I don't know if he's doing a gap year. Will he live with me? Won't he live with me? Do I have to provide for him? I can't wait for the, have the feeling of the liberation of, you know, not being held to school calendars and, and things like that. But I'm kind of quite scared about where I am today because I feel like I've worked so hard and done so much that it's like, what is this next bit going to be about? And I want it to be about me and I want to be in the right place. But obviously the pandemic had put everything and put everybody in it. You know, you definitely feel in a more insecure situation where you're just thinking, you know, how can I do the things I want to do now? Because things are limited. So, you know, I'm very proud of what I've done, but I know that we're all in, it's a very challenging time to really take the next step in my life and do the things that I want. In, within you know kind of being free and liberated and as a woman mm -hmm. having a career all your life I also see the limitations of women as you get older even though you can jump from profession to profession and do different things like how much women earn when they get older a lot of my friends who are kind of midlife are like worrying about the next 20 30 years mm -hmm. and how they get there I guess when you look back I mean you say you did it a lot of it on your own and it, actually it's the emotional labor isn't it because you're the one constantly thinking where is everyone what are they all doing how are the children going to move on next how am I going to finance all of that when you're a kind of a single mum what are the learnings do you think now you can sort of sit back and look at it what did you learn as you went through that or you may have done differently what I am aware of is that you're never really prepared for, for any of it even though I thought I was prepared so I thought I'd get to this point where I really was going to leave home that I'd be really, I'd have everything sorted out. And I mean, and I have got things sorted out, yeah. but, but not as much as I wanted to because of what's happened in the last couple of years. You know, I spent a lot of my time investing and encouraging them and making sure that they're all okay. And, you know, now they're in their, their part of their life where, you know, they've gone going to uni or got somewhere to live or blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, I'm the last person on the list that I need to kind of think about. I never really thought about doing things like getting a pension. You know, it wasn't like something yeah. that I thought I should do because I thought I would never really need to do that because, you know, you just think you're going to continue earning money. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So you, you need to kind of be prepared for anything, you know, like make sure that you've accounted for everything, you know, like looked after your health. You know, I always did that. I always did all yeah. the health checks, look after your teeth and all things like that that sometimes people forget to do you know really kind of tried to kind of keep my finances in order and also be fulfilled in my career so it's like ticking all those boxes so I think I have done that but I still feel like maybe I could have prepared a bit more and talking of health I mean you were sort of one of the few well-known women really to talk about the importance of mental health having suffered from postnatal depression and 20 years ago and obviously we talk about it more freely now but to somebody who is so in touch with her health and her body how was that experience for you that experience was absolutely terrifying I mean the thing for me was I was always scared of anything to do with mental health and I had I thought I had everything 
sewn up and I was 100% together mentally. You know, mental health issues run severely in my family. There was probably a genetic. Your, uh, your dad had depression, didn't he? He was schizophrenic as well. Yeah. My father was sectioned quite a few times. So it was my kind of worst fear was to kind of have what happened to my, mm. you know, father. And, and, and you know, and other family members had similar thing. And then, you know, I felt completely normal. And then when I had my kids, it was the scariest feeling. Like every day was like going through a war zone, just being able to do the simplest things, like get out of bed, you know, eat, prepare things, get the kids. You know, it was just like I was having to fake it to make it. I just had to put this mask on that sometimes I had to kind of say to people um, close to me, this is terrifying. I'm on like, it felt like I was on a roller coaster the highest roller coaster in the world going backwards upside down and I was just like it, this is so scary <laughs> having panic attacks all the time having to call ambulances and things like that when you feel like you're making such a fool of yourself to have to like go to that point go I need help and I was really it was such a stigma then like I remember yeah. saying it to even family members not really on my side of the family but saying things and people would be like, oh, pull yourself together. You've got beautiful children. You've got a beautiful husband. You've got a lovely house. What more? Mm. And I'd be like, no, but it isn't all the exterior stuff. Inside, mm. there's something really wrong. And um, and everyone just didn't understand it. And, and, and that was what was really hard because you couldn't really acknowledge having these mental health problems. And, you know, when you're that scared, fear of all that kind of stuff, and, you know, you're really in the middle of it and, and you don't really know who, who's telling you the right thing to do, you know, a doctor or psychiatrist you know I just had to ride it out the trauma you know post-traumatic stress disorder on that as well I mean luckily I have the most amazing mother and my sisters and my best friend all were there every you know until I got better but it was difficult because it did take time it's not a quick fix you just want someone to come and make it better and there's it takes you know a few years when women hit perimenopause, which is kind of around 40-ish, this happened to both Trish and I, there is a more of a tendency to, to have more uh, mental health issues. I had a panic attack, which I'd never had in my life before. Do you experience mm. it again through your perimenopause or no, were I, you I, ready I, for it? <laughs> Did you know I about think, perimenopause? No, I, I didn't know about it. And the thing is, it, you're so busy raising your children. I've gone through all that really difficult time. I got myself on my feet, started feeling fantastic about myself and who I was and being in control of my mind body and soul and and just feeling good and then I think hormones have always been a difficult thing for me so whether it was when I was 15 and starting my periods or having PMT or postnatal depression or when I was pregnant I was really really sick the whole way through so hormones affect me extremely so when you know I, I kind of sailed through I feel like a lot of my 40s once I'd recovered from the postnatal depression and getting through a divorce and the loss of my father all at the same time was relatively easy. Yeah. I think I've got like a, you know, now yeah. I'm quite tough, you know, emotionally tough. It takes me very, I, I'm a very strong person now. Like, even though I'm sensitive and I want to do good, I very rarely cry. I think I'm just kind of made of steel to a certain extent. I think when you've gone to the, mm. to the, you know, to that kind of extremes of mental health and worry about yourself, you then kind of have to like go well every day I have to manage my day so that I can live this day as good as I can and your physical health is obviously hugely important to you you're a lifelong vegetarian aren't you you're a trained dancer yoga you were doing that before any of us were doing it tell us about how you keep yourself strong physically so I've gone through different things in different 
um, times of my life. I trained as a dancer and then I got into yoga very young. A long, long time ago, you know, 35 years ago, I was started practicing. For me, it was always as well about not just doing the yoga. It was about, you know, eating, always been vegetarian. So the whole kind of yoga and Indian culture about being a vegetarian, about going to a really lovely yoga center in those days, you know, in the 80s, they were tiny little places you'd go and you'd eat rice and veg mm-hmm. and sit cross-legged in candlelight. And it wasn't like these, these huge businesses. And, you know, and so for me, it's a lifestyle. It isn't about just doing something and being extremely supple in a pose. It's about practicing yoga so I get some kind of mental stillness and, and, and strong mental health and some kind of inner calm because if I don't do it and I'm um, then I'm not going to have the inner calm so it's like to be able to sit still after you've done yoga or different parts of the day for an hour without actually hurting because you've done those exercises and then you can sit down and meditate so I've done Jiva Mukti and Ashtanga, Ashtanga and lots more activities but in this stage of my life, I'm really enjoying. I have my own little flow that I do every day and I do a lot of block work. So I take my wooden block with me everywhere because that wooden block, um, you know, that you use in yoga is there's a couple of exercises like a heart opening exercise and a hip opening and things like that. That if I do those first things, as soon as I wake up, then I will really alleviate back pain that I've had over the years. I had three back labors when with, with mm. Raph virus and Ruby. So I then had serious kind of back problems. And because I'm hypermobile, I got osteoporosis really young. Okay. So I have to be really careful of my back. When I was younger, I could do all these kind of the splits and back flips and all these things and go to a very high energy class now. And I just know that for me, because of certain things to do with my body, I have to take it easy. So my whole yoga thing is more gentle. I love walking. I'll do weights. Every now and again, I'll do something where I'm really pushing myself but it's a kind of very inner practice. So during lockdown, one of my best friends is a lady called Frances Raphael. And we started working on routines together. We went to Italia Conti together years ago. And we started um, doing these little um, yoga routines that are on YouTube. And, and we, we called ourselves Yin and Tonic. And the first one is Happy Heart Yoga. And we have an animal yoga flow, which is all based on animal movements. And then we have a stretch and smile. So we just started doing that together. And that became like a real connection for me and her to do together. And, and then that kind of inspires me because I've been designing my next collection for Frost Body, which is a yoga line that I designed during lockdown and will be coming into stores in May. So you know, I like things to kind of link together. It's really lovely, actually, Yin and Tonic. It's a website, isn't it? It's on YouTube. It's also a website. But it's more than just the flows, the yoga flows. It's the music, isn't it? Because Frances is a singer and dancer, and she does a lot of theatre, doesn't she? Musical theatre. But you've known her a long time. How important has your relationship been? And tell us a little bit more about Yin and Tonic. The music is great. Me and Frances have known each other since we were 11. We're at school together, and we were She's like... very jolly. Little... She's a very <laughs> jolly person. <laughs> <laughs> we were like the two urchins the two naughty kids at school like she was from the east end and i was from camden they had to give us extra elocution lessons and we just hit it off and we have kind of paralleled our lives um you know when she was having children i was having children we both our kids went to the same schools we live in the same area 
we'll probably end up together, you know, when we're ret- we're tired, living somewhere in a, a little bungalow. So she is a brilliant singer, and she was like in all these amazing plays and theatre productions. She gave me a little bit of backing vocals to do on on this project. So it's a bit. I, I you know, I'm sure she just turned the volume down when yeah. I was doing it. And she just had it just really really uh, made me her and Sam. We were both a bit fed up with training and working out to mindless beats so we wanted to create something that was mindful I think there's like six or seven songs that that are out coming out now and we've done five different routines so far and we're kind of doing more now I'm new to yoga Trish has been doing it since 1904 I think <laughs> since it was invented um, do you know what though this is the weirdest thing because Catelyn Moran said this to us it is just and everyone says it it completely changes your life which you know I've annoyingly that has been proven right even in my case if one of our listeners is in the place I was in a kind of it's just bendy roly-poly stuff and there's no way I'll be able to sit down long enough to do it how would you encourage someone to motivate themselves into taking up yoga because as I say I just it really has changed my life which is I just didn't think it would well I think the thing with it is it just helps with everything really helps with your hormones Mm. it really helps with your mood it really helps with your skin all your organs everything it really is a kind of practice because the benefits are huge so if people feel completely intimidated and overwhelmed by it it's like to start with doing something very small like on you know like just soupy rolls on the floor and just breathing like connecting with your breath which we all think oh god we can all breathe but actually a lot of us can't breathe and it's just simple breathing connecting to yourself and your breath will just kind of start to create space you'll start feeling better and once you're kind of in tune with yourself you can then do a very start with a very very small um, gentle yoga practice and even though I've done classes which have been an hour and a half two hours three hours back in the day I literally will do 20 minutes a day and to put my mat by the bed every night before I go to bed it's like brushing my teeth I leave it there get up in the morning and it is a it's part of my day every day if I do that that is going to make my day just a, a tiny bit of yoga every day it's gonna and it's gonna make me feel a hundred times better. And even when I was doing the school run, even when the kids were little, even when you know I'm tired or having a really bad day, it just takes the edge off. It just really helps. You know, I find you know today I've had really stressful business things. I've got you know you might have an argument with a family member or your partner, and there's a lot of problems that we're all kind of having to face. But if I kind of give myself that time. It just makes me kind of connect with myself and just have a bit more hope and faith and, and, I, and I get through the day rather than thinking all negative things and doom and yeah. gloom. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as we've gone through midlife and a lot of our listeners tell us this on their Facebook groups, it's like your body changes, yeah. it physically changes, the waist goes. Have you had to kind of adapt your routines or anything in that way through this midlife stage? What I noticed more was that, and I don't know if it is because of the osteoporosis, all my back problems, is that my back, it just felt like it was more kind of like a block. I didn't Mm. feel like it had that kind of flexibility. Um, And that's why I do like the actual wooden block work to kind of open it up and get some Mm. kind of more shape. But, you know, I, I kind of was so always quite slim and I got very thin when Rudy was born and I was like six and a half stone and very underweight so I tried for years to put weight on when I did put on weight then I couldn't lose it and I suddenly was like where where is all this stuff around my mitt you know I have these skinny little legs that's what I think where does it come from (laughs) where does it all come from it was like literally I looked good in photos and I never thought I did and my face looked okay and my body looked okay and then literally one day 
I didn't look okay. It, it, like mm-hmm. I suddenly was like, Ooh. oh my God, what has happened to yeah. me? It was literally overnight. And, and then I literally had to become at war with myself to try and feel comfortable with that, but also to try and make it less. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't want to have skinny little legs and a big trunk. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable doing that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have to eat, really look at what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, make sure I exercise. Walking's really good. And, you know, for a lot soon, I literally, I think I, I was, as soon as I turned 50, I started putting weight on. Mm-hmm. I never like yeah. put on weight before. So I had to start thinking about that. And then once you start thinking about it, it becomes a problem. So I think I literally was at war with the whole thing for a couple of years. And I feel like now, like the yoga mat by the bed is like brushing my teeth. Me knowing that, you know, having apple cider vinegar helps. Me juicing every now and again for three days helps. So I just don't constantly sit around getting into routine of eating carbs or whatever but I let myself eat carbs so it's just kind of you know really working out because it is a battle to feel confident and good about yourself and the most important thing is is actually to feel good about yourself and confident Mm. so you can not have a horrible day thinking all negative things about yourself but also it's changed same thing happened to me at 50 it just all changed shape I felt like I had no control over it I wasn't kind of negative and cross about it I just mm. thought what this change thing is just I f- I'm uncomfortable with the change I found that the hardest. well especially when you haven't really done anything to deserve it you're like why <laughs> does, you know like well, I might have now? drunk quite a lot of wine that yeah, might be my <laughs> wine, maybe, but, but the thing is it's like it suddenly happens and you're like well, no one really told me this was going to happen I could have like really mm. factored this into my five-year plan and yes. been aware of it if, if I'd know this was going to happen and I wouldn't have bought all those clothes that now don't look stupid and yeah. like things like you know like remember they would always say to me things like you know they like people when they wrote about me like why are you wearing why did she wear short things or why did, and I was like at the time well it's actually quite funny because I could wear it but now I'm like well actually I don't know if I would be comfortable wearing certain things you know I mm. I like well we're all used to just wearing pajamas and, and trackies so <laughs> yeah. god knows what's yeah. going to happen when I yeah. when I'm not yeah. actually wearing them because I don't know how comfortable I feel about wearing clothes <laughs> but um you know I just don't think I was prepared for that that's why as well like it's really important to do arm weights and weights because just yeah. like if you feel like a bit heavier and uncomfortable with something then your body postures like your postures like this and you know if I might know that I've you know I've done some good arms I'm not, I'm not doing loads but a little bit and if I'm doing arm stuff and 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 yoga and and all these things I'm gonna hold myself well and that's what it's about so Mm. I think but having definition in your arms you know that Mm. you know that is a battle isn't it keeping this bit under your arms um not all flabby but you know I do a few arm weights a few times a week I had a bone scan last year and I've got osteopenia which is the start of osteoporosis that it really kind of informed my decision to go on HRT because obviously the estrogen can help with the bones and I'm doing strength exercises and things like that but is there anything you're doing I mean obviously you're doing the yoga the block work was there anything that you're taking anything you're doing because a lot of our listeners again will be in this position where they're starting to find signs of osteoporosis it's one of my worst fears those broken bones in my I mean and it's something that you never know what you know you don't really know what's going on and and you don't you know suddenly women find find that out but I had a a cycling accident quite a few years ago in my 30s and they had to operate in my late 30s early 40s on my hand Mm -hmm. and they said it's a very very easy operation and when I came round, they said actually 
it, this was quite a serious operation because the bones were crumbling away. So you've got the um, early stages mm. of osteoporosis. So so basically from a very early age, I, I became aware of it and it was terrifying because I felt like a jellyfish. And then, you know, doctors and homeopaths and, and nutritionists have told me I should be taking this, I should be taking that. The one thing I've never been able to do is like the more people tell me to take things like mm. vitamins or zinc or whatever... I can't really get a routine with it, but before I was taking omega-3 or taking precautions, but I, I just try to eat really good vegetables, a lot of turmeric, a lot of alkalizing things, but I don't actually take a lot of vitamin D, but I don't take a lot of the bone, bone mm. things that I probably should do. In the researching of doing the interview with you, and obviously Trish and I lived through these times, the, mm. the bright young things from Rose Hill set times with you. And then I just watched the Britney documentary, actually. I don't know if you've seen that yet. But what strikes me when I look back on all the coverage of everything, um, particularly around young women like you, was this kind of overwhelming judgment that women could have a good time, have a career, have children, have a family, enjoy a blended family, make things work. How do you feel when you look back on that? Because if you look back on it through the eyes of that Britney documentary, it's actually bullying a lot of the coverage of what <clears throat> you were going through. And I guess it must have been really stressful. It's not very nice um, mm. for anybody when they're being judged no, exactly. on something that actually maybe people don't know the bigger picture. But I did watch the Britney um, documentary um, and I could see she was suffering from postnatal yeah, depression she's exactly. been told she, you know she's got her relationships are going through hard times she's got children and the whole world is saying horrible things now anybody that experiences that kind of judgment is going to feel uncomfortable and she was hugely in the spotlight but in that time I think with the tabloids and the way men could be very judgmental and be mean about women and, and push you know the amount of times I'd be being pushed into a car by photographers or people you know when I was carrying the baby it was just always you know really scary and intrusive and then also women then having a go at you because you yeah. were trying to protect yourself or protect your family but they would have a something to say about your weight or your mother you know and you're like but that's what nothing to do with this and it was just like you felt like everybody was trying to throw yeah. things at you when you were in a vulnerable situation and you know when people are in vulnerable situations like we all know like Caroline Flack or Britney Spears or with anybody in the public eye or anybody on this planet when people are in a vulnerable situation they should be looked after not mm. like bullied mm -hmm. so there's a lot of bullying that happened but for me luckily I had really strong friends like friends that really kept me going and, and family so for me I, I got through it but I learned some huge lessons about people and life and helped me in a way have some compassion to other people you know in some ways helped with being creative because I can understand certain things about life that maybe before I was blinkered to and also makes me want to help other people. And family seems to have been the thread, really, for you. You seem to have created this incredibly stable family. You're very focused on the children. So one of the other things that we talk about on the podcast is parenting teenagers, because that's the kind of perfect storm. What have been your learnings now that you've got one last teenager left? If you can give any advice to our listeners about the, the ways to helpfully happily parent well harmoniously I guess a teenager boys and girls so one thing I just want to say is my mum was a brilliant mum and you know yeah. she had me when she was 16 and had three children by the time she was 20 and she you know she brought us up brilliantly and my mum is, is the most unjudgmental person and you know she really is just like 
one of the most amazing people on this planet. She didn't have as like in her personality as much darkness that I've had to go through and challenges and things like that. So I learned a lot from my mum, but I just brought my kids up not to like my mum, not to judge them, give them loads of love. I tried to give them a stable environment, but there was still chaos because in any family there is chaos. And I think the, the key is whatever you're going through, you know, if a family's going through divorce or anything, you just have to be supportive and unjudgmental and just be there and not tell your kids what to do. You know, for me, it was like, you know, they have their own journey and, you know, you can make suggestions and they can go through it. But if I ever did get cross with them or tell them what to do, they just laughed at me anyway. But like, we are a really (laughs) close, loving family. And I think for me, it's very important, yeah, to keep calm and and not be reactive. I mean, I can be a very reactive person and that's something I've had to work on, but not so reactive to them where it's affected them in a bad way. But I think it's just staying calm and loving them and just being aware of what they're going through because, you know, they all go through such different things. All four children of mine are very, very different. And my youngest, Rudy, is a joy and he's doing his A-levels and we've really had no problems with him at all. He just is just one of those people who just gets on with life and is, is lovely. But, you know, I think maybe being the last child, you know, and he's got these older brothers and sisters that really look after him. But we're a very tight unit and so lucky that they're all grown up and they all want to come and see me and they're not all just that we have a great relationship. Do they think you're cool? I mean, surely Sadie Frost is a cool mum to have for a teenager. I, I definitely don't think... Um, I'm cool. So, um, they, you know, they they love me. I mean, I really that was always just like a, I am a really uncool person. I'm just one of those silly, silly people, you know. But um, my kids just love me because I'm their mum, and and they protect me. Iris is at university studying fashion, and sometimes she'll pick out an old photo of me in the 80s or the 90s, or Raffle say, "Oh, mum, you in the pulp." pulp video or they they don't know or like they're like oh I've never seen Dracula they know me as yes I did acting years ago and I still do it I did a film last year but they know me mainly as mum that's kind of running around going to meetings on the phone you know trying to (laughs) just keep things going but then you know I try to kind of understand what you know I'm saying explain to me about TikTok or you know I have to kind of know about Instagram because this is happening and and they you know they're very patient. They, they they help me and they try and explain. But what will happen when, when Rudy goes then? My eldest just left home for university. Um, I've got four, so the eldest just left mm. and uh, my youngest is nine. I just feel like I'll be in a terminal spiral of desperate grief when the last one goes. <laughs> I'm bracing myself for it. Or do, Are you happy? Are you thinking, this is it, this is um, my chance now? Yeah, my eldest is 30 and... I've been doing this for 30 years and that, you know, they never really leave home. They always come back and, you know, know, they do, we do family holidays together, Christmases, we'll have a place, you know, you know, maybe I I don't live in London and I have a family home, you know, one day in the country where they can all come and see me, but you know, I'll see them weekly. I just won't have to kind of clean up after them. And, you know, and they're ready to, they're ready to leave. They're all adults and, and I'll have time now. I can do things that I want to do. And if, you know, I'd go see them and they can make me dinner. It'd be lovely. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, well, listen, thank you so much for your time, Sadie. It was so oh, brilliant catching you. up with you today. And yin and tonic, it really is a tonic. I know, so I love it. just on everyone. And then your frost yoga line. Where where can we find that? When will so, that be? well, we'll, we'll, we're just um, doing our orders now and we'll be confirming, but we'll be on the website and there's some shops in London, America, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say yet. So. Oh, okay. 
yeah, I just want to say, Francis Raphael, you know, watch our videos because she's got the voice of an angel and she'll describe how to do yoga moves so brilliantly. She's like the Nigella Lawson of yoga. Yeah. And she'll, she'll seductively make you want to do yoga poses that maybe you thought you'd never want to do. Well, I'm going to do an Instagram live with Frances and she's going to get me oh, fantastic. Good. bending a bit more. Bending, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you Sadie. Welcome to the helpful, practical and hopefully life-changing part of the podcast, How to Win at Midlife. Today, Trish, I am going to be talking to you about orifices. What about that? Oh, gosh. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me, but do carry on because I am intrigued. (laughs) Well, this is another one of those moments in midlife where we say, I did not know that was going to happen. I mean, midlife is just full of those moments, Mm -hmm. isn't it? But Mm -hmm. did you know, Trish, that as your hormones fluctuate as we age, they're gradually depleting. It also affects every part of your body. And I bet you hadn't given your mouth a second thought, had you, Mm. when it comes to talking perimenopause and menopause? No, I hadn't. No, not at all. But uh, obviously I was focused. Focusing on all the more obvious stuff that was going on. Yes, well, hot flushes are the least of your worries, quite frankly. Mm. So I have given this thing a thought because my dentist is rather fabulous and uh, super knowledgeable on mouth health in women, particularly women as they age. Her name's Dr. Uchenna Okoy, and she works on Channel 4's 10 Years Younger program. She texted me and said that we had to tackle mouth health on the podcast because as Mm. we age... It affects you in exactly the same way as vaginal health. So back to the orifice again there, Trish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, so I'm now, let me guess, I suppose there's yeah. uh, estrogen receptors in the mouth then too, is there? Because it all comes down to estrogen, doesn't it? Bingo, bingo. Yeah. Yes, you can tick that off the list. You guessed it right. In the same way your vagina is going to get drier, your mouth is going to get drier too. Mm. So the upshot is everything ages and you have to take preventative action to stop any symptoms which may adversely affect you. So Dr. Yuchi, as I call her, told me the main thing to bear in mind here is that anything that's pink in your mouth, so maybe not the hard tissue, which is your teeth, will change quite dramatically as you age. So her tip, her overriding tip is you have to double up on everything that you do to take care of your mouth at this point. So this really means shorter gaps between dental appointments. It means cleaning your teeth with a proper electric toothbrush at least twice a day, flossing twice a day and Mm. um, tongue scraping, which you should be doing at least twice a day. First oh, you thing. see, I'm only doing twice that once. I'm gonna, I'm gonna notch it up. Basically, what you're saying is the yeah. mouth is more susceptible, I suppose, to things like gum disease, due to bacterial infections, and that we have, we just have to be more thorough with our dental care. Those little brushes that you interdental yeah. brushes, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying, and, and what she's saying as a very wise dentist, is that you basically have to overcompensate. Can't even mm-hmm. speak because my mouth's gone dry, Trish. Because <laughs> I'm aging in front of your very eyes you have to overcompensate on everything you do with your teeth um so before um you hit perimenopause you might have been able to tolerate sort of different levels of bacteria in your mouth um but once those hormones start declining you your mouth just can't deal with it now i did ask about supplements because i thought maybe that will help with it she mm-hmm. said well, it doesn't really make a difference as long as you're staying generally very healthy but the one thing that does make quite a difference to mouth health is drinking lots of fresh water that really helps with dry mouth 
cutting back on sugar. HRT Mm. can be quite helpful as well, as we know. So you should ask your GP about this if you're visiting about issues to do with your mouth. I've actually um, heard or maybe I've read somewhere that some some women get this kind of burning sensation Mm. on their tongue. Did she mention that at all? She did. Yeah, she said this is kind of a bit of a mystery to dentists, but it does happen in midlife to some women. And actually, it came up on our Facebook page a couple of times. So you do need to see your GP about that because there are some prescriptions and it may include antidepressants, which can help with that. But they still don't really know why that happens. Oh, okay. Bit of a mystery. Mm. Bit of a mystery. Um, And is there anything around, I mean, what happens to our kind of jaw and our bones because obviously aching joints that sort of joint where your jaw joins I don't know I don't know the biology I'm not very good but you know and that kind of like you know like when you're helping (laughs) your teeth teeth grinding you've talked about that oh I do that anyway your jaw and your bones yeah well obviously that's all affected as well because your bones are affected as your hormones decrease but what she said is the main problem here is actually stress can have quite a negative effect on gum health um and actually means you might clench your jaw quite a bit mm. more and there'll be a, people who don't teeth grind might start teeth grinding um, later in life because midlife can be a bit stressful all those other symptoms going on at the same time of perimenopause so if you are grinding your teeth now then you really do need to get that sorted out with a guard to alleviate the pressure mm. i'm sort of very worried about getting very thin face and obviously i know we sort of lose the collagen in our cheeks we've talked about that before in our sort of skincare mm. episodes but is there anything sort of physiological going on with the yes. face in terms of fat even more that it's just it goes on and on you just have to be so ready for these things mm. so the collagen is disappearing in your face as the hormones go so it changes the shape of your face but you're also losing the collagen in your gums which, oh god um, no. yeah <laughs> I don't know that. I didn't. I don't think I wanted to know Every that. Day, but now I do know it. Out. We're sort of adventurers <laughs> on the quest for more and more information. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it does. It goes in your gums. So your teeth, your gums might recede a little bit. So mm. this may mean sometimes that your teeth move slightly mm. as you age. And this is why sometimes women contemplate Invisalign. You know the kind the um, braces, the clear braces yeah. that can correct teeth if they move about. So that's primarily a cosmetic thing, but it can be uh, recommended if you've got jaw pain as you age and your teeth are perhaps going over each other so it's mm. worth asking to see an orthodontist if you think your teeth aren't as straight as they were because it might be down to um aging to perimenopause yeah. and it's quite expensive that but it can help with jaw issues so really the overriding message is don't spend hours and hours on your face you've got to really think about your teeth <laughs> and your gum health as well trish otherwise right, you got to get that leading lady role oh, in your next God. hollywood film i know now it's time for our favorite bit of the show it's nostalgia noodling where have you gone in the time tardis this week lorraine oh i've had a little joyous trip all over the place so um trish look yeah. at this piece of art i'm showing you here what can we what? say about it trish well, what would we say about that piece how of would art? i describe that it's well it, it's pierce brosnan holding up <laughs> Like four weird drawings of somebody putting an earplug in their ear. Well, what Remi- is that? Well, basically, what? So this took me off. This is Remington Steel takes up yes. art, oh, which is a sitcom 
in itself. So, but that took me off down. Do you remember Remington Steel, the detective? Well, you know I'm going to confess and say I never watched it. Never watched the it. What's wrong with you? I know, I know. Pierce, though, yes. Well, it was one of those which was incredibly stylish while being incredibly sexist <laughs> at the same time. So it ran from 1982 to 87, so smack bang in the middle of Gen X. But the premise was that a detective agency is set up by a woman, mm. um, but... No one will hire the aforementioned oh. woman because she is a woman. Yes. So she has to invent Remington Steel and yes. go under that name. However, an actual man called Remington mm. Steel turns up and joins the detective agency. <gasps> and there is a frisson. So Pierce oh. Brosnan joins. There's a, there's a kind of frisson, sexual frisson between them, obviously. Yes. Um, and he has a mysterious past, a deep, dark secret, which doesn't really sort of come out until the end but it was kind of <laughs> it was going so well the whole premise was was red lighted no. by NBC but then they insisted that they actually had to have a man in it yes. in order for it to be a success on TV oh, can you imagine wow. because they said the premise is right no one would hire a woman oh. <laughs> depressing <laughs> depressing um, um, but I watched it because it was so well styled actually she just looked amazing Stephanie who, who played her who was Stephanie Zimbalist an actress who have to look her up have to look she her up she disappeared while he went on to become james yes, bond james bond and now a, an artist creating <laughs> can i just say though, very handsome though in that he? photo on yeah. his instagram very good teeth his midlife teeth and beyond have been yeah. very good <laughs> lovely white sparklers <laughs> yeah so that's where i went mm. in my um drifting back mm. into the past where did you drift well mine's also sort of slightly dubious on the the sort of um, sexual equality front because <laughs> my but the, in the other sort of way because i i've had a little um flashback to the days of the chippendales <laughs> Did Do you your remember? robot Hoover bring that to mind somehow? Oh, yes. Housework. I see what sort. you mean. Not housework. No, it was actually, there's a, there's a podcast about the early, early days of the Chippendales when they were first formed in 1979 by this a former janitor, an Indian guy. And then there's apparently there's this whole intrigue of, it's called Welcome to Your Fantasy, this podcast. And there was murders. There was all oh, sorts going exciting. on. So anyway, but the, the the Chippendales that we, that, so I heard about this podcast, oh goodness, Chippendales, and it just took me back to my days of working on Moore magazine. Uh, oh, do you remember that? Yes. Position of the Fortnight, famous well, for that I little was illustration. Cosmo, wasn't I? Yes, we had Man exactly. of the Month. Um, Man of the Month, we had Centrefold. Position of the Fortnight. Because we were always doing shoots with them, and we were always going to see them in there, and they used to wear those, do you remember, a little cu- white collar with a bow tie and little cuffs around the wrists. And a thumb. Is, is this men telling us what our sexual fantasies <laughs> are? Well, Again, because I just so did camp. not fancy those men. No. And they weren't fanciable. It was more like a sort of big, big old silly old silly thing. I don't really know. Do it's you just remember not the... erotic in any way, shape, or form? The Daily Mirror used to have a page seven hunk as well oh right, and okay. um that's where brad pitt started his career oh, did he age seven hunk did you Google yeah that. well i was working on the daily mirror at the time mm. and they used to have the studio in the basement of the building and the the set page seven hunks would come and sit in be um auditioned in the foyer mm. as well i mean yeah all of it kind of wrong it's all a on bit wrong, every it? level yeah no exactly <laughs> but that was the 90s for you yeah Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed it, do tell your friends to tune in too. Remember to subscribe from your podcast provider and rate and review us too, so that we can continue to bring you the best midlife stories and most helpful advice.
And of course, you can email us your ideas or questions at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. And we'd also love you to join our Facebook group if you haven't done so already. It's a private group and there are loads of brilliant chats and threads and wonderful women on there. So you will definitely enjoy it. Goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.